0: All right. Would you please bow with me in a word of prayer before we look into God's Word? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the change in weather that you've brought to us. We thank you for... um, Thank you that you're the one who oversees the seasons and uh, changes things as you see fit. Uh, As we look into your Word today, Father... um, Pray that you will turn our focus to you, turn, your fo- turn our focus to your plan and to your purposes and show us how we might be a part of those, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, welcome on this lovely cold day. Uh, I'm hearing, hearing an echo in my, in my voice. That's going to get annoying <laughs> all right, so speaking of the cold, I saw that I think it was yesterday or maybe it was Friday. Our area actually broke the record for the all time low recorded in this area at this particular on on this particular date in history um, and it put me into mind of a particularly cold night that I had spent in the kidding barn several years ago. Um, I don't know if the rest of... Say, if you have any experience with livestock, it seems like they like to give birth at the most inopportune times. And goats are very much no exception. They they like to go at probably the worst possible conditions you can get. Um, And so... As I went into that night, as I I went into this night, the temperature was hovering, I think, around zero, and I had several does that were obviously in labor, and I knew it was going to be a really long night. There was no wind, so I was thankful for that, but the sky was crystal clear, and as pretty as that is, uh, if you have experience with it, you know that if there's no cloud cover there to keep what little temp, to what, keep what little heat you have, it's going to get cold. And kind of like expected, as the night progressed, that temperature just started to plummet. Now, when I have when I'm out there uh, tending to the goats and helping them give birth, I have a few. I have a few tricks that, that I use. We use heat lamps, lots and lots of heat lamps to get as much heat into those kids as possible. Uh, also, we have boxes that we set up so the kids can sleep in if it gets really cold. and Put the heat lamp in those boxes and try to keep the kids nice and warm, um, making sure their bedding is dry. Kind of hard to stay warm if you're on wet bedding. Um, and, of course, when those kids first come out, they're wet, and they need to be dried off quickly. <clears throat> now, they, you normally would dry themselves off just fine on their own, but when you have freezing conditions, you have a lot of problems that can start to develop quite quickly. Their ears can freeze. You can lose ears. You can lose feet due to frostbite. But maybe one of the more interesting ones is that the kids when they get cold they can't actually digest their first meal they have to be warm in order to have their first meal so lots of paper towels are used at that at that point and also we are uh, we put them in a box with a hair dryer put them in a warming box and help to heat them up um, So that night, I was pulling out every trick I had in the book, trying to keep things warm. And I was running back and forth. And of course, typical goats, they weren't helping at all. I had first-time mothers who decided they did not want to stay in their pens and had goats jumping out of pens. Um, I also had overprotective mothers that were trying to bite me whenever I turned my back. Uh, so I, I'm out there struggling, you know, hey, I'm trying to save your kids. Stop biting me. Stop trying to stop trying to hit me. I'm sure any of you have, particularly those of you who have cattle, can probably relate to some of that. Um, and now... This entire time that I'm out there, and I was out there the entire night, this particular night, and as the night dragged on, the temperature started to fall, 5 below, 10 below, 15 below. And I think it probably bottomed out somewhere about 25, 30 below that night, just absolute worst night that you could ask for, for having kids um it, it was It was that kind of cold that kind of creeps into your soul, if you've ever experienced that. Uh, I found myself rather than just using the heat lamps to heat the kids up, I was parking myself under some of those heat lamps, trying to maintain my own temperature. Now, as this night dragged on, I began to walk out of the barn ever so often and start to check the eastern sky. Anybody know what I was doing? I I was looking for that first light. I was looking for daylight. Because I knew as long as I could make it to daylight, the majority of my struggle was going to be over. And I... I was going to finally be able to rest. I was going to finally be able to stop the struggle that I was having in just keeping those kids alive. Uh, Now, where am I going with this, besides pointing out the fact that it is really cold in here? (laughs) Um, As Christians, we have a day that we are looking forward to. Um, you know, now we have struggles, we have trials, we have tribulations, but we have a day that we are looking forward to. And ever since the ascension of Christ, Christians throughout the ages have been looking forward to his return. Uh, The apostles initially seemed to believe that Christ was going to return quite quickly. Uh, They were essentially offering the kingdom to Israel, saying, hey, here's Jesus, turn around, repent, and he'll come back and he'll put everything right, okay? Um, Now I say, initially, they believed that he was coming back quite quickly. But Christ himself actually gave them a different answer. In Acts 1-7, you can jump there, but I'm just going to quote it for time's sake. Jesus' answer to them when they're questioning whether or not he's going to restore the kingdom to Israel at that point in history, his response is, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. So not telling them, hey... I'm going to be back on this date at this particular time. And so from that point on, Christ's return was viewed as imminent. Christ could come back at any time. Um, Now, as the church expanded, there began to be problems that started to arise. You had persecution from the outside. Uh, Rome started persecuting the church quite heavily. There was already persecutions uh, from the Jewish religious leaders. Uh, you remember in the book of Acts, there was clashes with the Jewish leaders uh, just over the fact of who Jesus was and whether or not they should be be teaching people about Jesus. Um, uh, you'll remember that the apostle Paul uh, originally was named... Saul and was responsible for persecuting the church. Um, So you have persecutions arising from without, and you also have the problem of false doctrine starting to creep into the church. And as time dragged on, as things got colder, if you will, there was a confusion that began to creep into the church regarding Christ's return. Uh, When is he coming back? Did we miss him? And, you know, he is coming back, isn't he? Now, here we are 2,000 years later, and it's easy to see that we have kind of the same questions as as what those early believers had now to address this we're going to jump to the book of second peter and that's where we're going to camp today second peter chapter 3 A little bit of background on the Book of 2 Peter. Um, this is the last letter that the Apostle Peter is going to write. Uh, say he, this is this was probably written around 64 to 68 A.D. It was like right before uh, Peter was martyred. Um, and this is kind of his. Farewell letter, and he is preparing the churches, and he is preparing the churches in part because he is—he knows he is about to perish. He knows he's about to die. And the churches that he's addressing have problems; they are under increasingly intense persecution. This is right before I think Nero really ramps up his persecution of the early church. Um, And then they also have false teachers who are creeping in. Um, And so in chapter 3, Peter is about to address the questions that I put before. You know, what about Christ's return? Is he coming back? Did we miss him? And he actually is coming back, isn't he? So jump in here, Second Peter chapter three, and just verses one and two. Okay? Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of, of the Lord and Savior. Okay, so stopping there. Sorry, I stopped in the middle of a sentence. But uh, I think it's important to point out Peter is not teaching them at this point anything new. He's reminding them of what they already, of what they already learned. Uh, if you go back and and look at Matthew chapter 24, a lot of what Peter is about to tell this church is exactly what Christ told them was going to happen. Okay, and we're, I guess you're. We're, they're seeing things move forward and there's a question, okay, so so what's going on here? And Peter's calling them back to what they already knew. Hey, the holy prophets that were here that were before and the apostles that shared with you the teachings of Jesus, we haven't said anything different, Okay. Now we're getting into who's Peter having to deal with here He's having to deal with some false teachers that have crept into the church, and they are starting to uh, they are starting to teach things other than what was something different than what was taught in the church before uh they're starting to teach things uh that directly contradict what the apostles had shown, what the apostles had taught, what the what the prophets had shown them before. Um, and he he warns it he warns this church here, knowing this first. This is verse three, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So he's dealing with these false teachers and they are... Mockingly questioning if Christ is actually coming back. You know, say, you know, if Christ is coming back, where is he? He said he was coming back, but we haven't seen him. Right? Um, any of this sound familiar? Because I've, I've heard, I've heard, or seen the same arguments offered today. Hey. Here we are two thousand years later. Where is he? Why isn't he back yet? Why, you know, why are we still having to struggle? Why are we why are we still having to have the same fights, the same battles? You know, why, you know, why can't he just come and fix it and finish it? Okay? <clears throat> now before before we consider that. I think we should look a little bit at what's their motivation in asking this question. I think I've, I've learned as time goes on, sometimes it's not so much about the question that is asked as why or why is the question being asked. Their motivation here is that they are walking according to their own lusts. OK, they're ordering their lives according to what they want to do, according to what they desire to do and not what God desires. And hey, if Christ isn't returning, that just gives them all the more license to do whatever they want. If You want to see some of the specific things that that. Peter was dealing with regarding these false teachers, look through, uh, look through chapter 2, it's pretty brutal. Um, but their motivation in asking this question is that they want to do their own thing. They don't want to be under that authority that is, that is there in the person of Jesus Christ. And you have to admit, initially, they have a pretty good argument. Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. I think you still see that today, right? We're going to plant. Then our crops are going to grow, then we're going to harvest, and then it's going to get cold, and then we're going to plant again. The cycle keeps going. The cycle, the the cycle keeps happening. Um, and you know, there's there's a definite question there. Well, if it's just continuing the way it always has, you know. What's the point? If you're looking at it from that limited perspective. Um, Now Peter's response to this really shows us the rest of the story. Verse 5. For this, they willfully forget. Now let's stop there. Have you ever seen a child conveniently forget something they were told in order to get or do what they want in the moment? We thank you for your honesty, yes. (laughs) Have you ever seen that? Then you understand exactly what's going on in this passage, right? They are willfully forgetting certain facts. Now, what are they forgetting? For this, they willingly forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water by which the world that was, that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So what did they forget? Well, for one, they forgot about the power of the word of God. They are doubting the promise given by the God who spoke the world into existence, okay? That's that's the first, that's one of the first things they're forgetting, okay? Um, they forgot that God has already judged and catastrophically judged the world before. Uh, look at Noah's flood, okay? Okay. Um, They forgot that, yeah, God has done this before. Um, They forgot that the word of God is what is now holding this present world together. Let that sink in. God, by the word of his power, is holding everything that we see together. You see, the question is not, is there another judgment coming? But it's when that judgment is coming. Um, but the heavens and earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Um, that word, perdition, uh, the Translations that you have probably translated more easily. It's just the destruction of the judgment of ungodly men. Um, so, in regards to the false teachers, they forgot. They forgot who they were dealing with, they forgot who. Uh, you know, they forgot who started this whole thing. They forgot the power that comes from from God and from his word. Okay? so the question still stands then, well, why the delay? why isn't you know why isn't God here then? Now, as we continue reading, Peter's going to answer that too. Verse 8, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Uh, God isn't bound by time as we understand it. He's not bound by our limited lifespan. He can wait generations long in order to see his promise, purposes fulfilled and his promises kept. Um, that's, the, that's the first part of it. Okay? You know, we're, remember, you're dealing with God. You're dealing with an eternal being. He's not bound by those same rules of time as we are. However, that's only one part of the equation. And here's the next part. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. So he's not being late and he's not being lazy. Okay. But he is long-suffering or is patient toward us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, here we go. What What is God doing by waiting? He's displaying mercy and patience towards us. He's giving people an opportunity to turn around. Now, Quick question, how many of you are were, are willing to wait 2,000 years to get what you want? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, if, I, if I'm being honest, me neither, right? But that's because I'm human, because I know that I have a certain number of years here on this earth, right? Uh yet God is, God is displaying his mercy and he's displaying his patience by holding off on Christ's return. So the question might be, if he's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance, does that mean that everyone's going to be saved? Well, no. And you only have to go back and look at what God has already done to understand how this is going to work. Okay. Um, look at the past judgments that have been passed out uh, that that God has put forth. Think about Noah's flood. Noah built that boat for a hundred years. Yet only Noah and his family, in the end, only Noah and his family got on. Okay. Um, Sodom and Gomorrah, only Lot and, only Lot and his daughters were saved from that whole from that whole mess. Um, Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel, and the southern kingdom of Judah were exiled, but only a remnant returned. The children of Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years and only Joshua and Caleb entered from that original generation. God is giving people time to respond, but we are required to respond. And when you hear the gospel of Christ, when you hear who Jesus is, there's only two options. You either accept him or you reject him. Uh, and God is giving time for people to hear about him and for people to choose. Uh, Unfortunately, though, there's going to be a day when that patience is going to come to an end. Verse 10, and this one's heavy. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Okay, does that verse feel a little heavy to anybody? It should because probably either the entire book or a good chunk of the book of Revelation is packed into that one verse. Okay, Peter's not giving you a full road map. He's just telling, you, just telling you a couple of highlights about what's going to happen. That idea, the, the idea of the day of the Lord, in this case, probably refers to all of the events of Christ's return. And in that, there's a lot of things that happen with that. Read the book of Revelation. It gets pretty interesting. <clears> okay, <throat> But here's the point, and because Peter is trying to hammer home this point, he's maybe not elaborating as much as we would hope. Um, the point is, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Even though God is giving time for people to come to Him, a lot of people are going to be caught off guard when He finally does show, does show up. It was the same in the day of Noah. In the days of Noah, um, that's Matthew chapter uh, 24. Uh, Jesus talking about talking about His own coming and His own His own return. Um, you know things were happening just as they had from the beginning of creation. People were being people were being married, people were being born, people were dying, people were carrying on business, people were going to work. Everything was happening just as it had. And then the door shut and it started to rain. That's what happened in the days of Noah. Now they had Again, they had a hundred years to see some crazy guy building a boat and ask questions and seek. But at the end, it was only Noah and his family that were saved. Um, So considering this, considering that we don't know when Christ is coming back, how do we respond? What's our job in all of this? All right, the last three verses. Therefore, since all of these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? So here's the the question. How ought we to live? And I think the first thing that you see is you do need to remember that everything that you see here is temporary. Now that's not an excuse to misuse or abuse what God has entrusted to us. We are stewards of everything that God has given to us. And one day we get to give an account of that to God whether we manage them well or whether we manage them poorly Um, but ultimately these things are temporary Christ comes back poof this church building is gone the house that I'm building is gone the wind turbines that we put up to save the planet, poof, they're gone. The oil rigs, poof, they're gone, okay? Uh, that and, and everything, you know, that and everything else, because God is going to roll it up and make something entirely different, make something new, um, Ultimately, this is a reminder for us about who is ultimately in charge. God is in charge of everything that happens, and he is allowing things to progress as, as they are in order to give us time to respond to him, in order to give people time to respond to him. So how ought we to act? <clears throat> Now, verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Now, there's an interesting thought. You, we wonder why he's not back yet. You have the opportunity to hasten his coming. How do you do that? You tell people about Jesus. Jesus. That's what he's waiting for, for people to come to the knowledge and understanding of him. Every time we go out, every time we share with our neighbors, our family, our friends, who Christ is and what he's done for us, we are one step closer to Christ coming back. And so in, in part, Peter's telling them, you wonder why he's not back that?" back yet? Well, come on guys, get busy. Uh, you know, you, you know, thinking back to you know, thinking back to that night that I spent in the goat shed. You know, I the the daylight was coming, regardless of what I was going to do for those goats. I could have said Sorry, kids, you're on your own. I could have. It was a bad option, but it was still an option. Um, In the same way, as we look at this idea that Christ is coming back, so what should he find us doing when he gets here? When he finally shows up, how is he going to find us? What is he going to see us doing? Is he going to see us... Well, is he going to see us walking according to our own lusts? Doing what we want when we want? Or is he going to see us seeking to make a way... For as many people as possible to be saved. Is he going to see us being faithful in the in the ministries, in the professions, in the families that he has placed us in? Is he going to see us being is he going to see us being faithful when he returns? Um, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. God has already said that he's going to come back and he's going to fix all of this. But it's not yet. Now... We could stay up here and we could debate end times theology until we're blue in the face. But the bigger question is, you know, are you on the boat or are you under it? <laughs> also the right answer. <laughs> uh, and then if you're on the boat, what are you doing to get more people to get on the boat, okay we have you know i I like an end times theology to a bunch of kids in the back seat arguing about the destination that they're going to, okay. It's it's really you know it's what matters is that we're all going there now. Some will be right and some will be wrong, and as long as they're there, it doesn't really matter. Okay. Let's pray. We'll be done. And. Uh, As you go about your day, as you go about your week, your month, your year, um, be thinking about what really matters. Be thinking about, well, for one, be thinking about whether you're on that boat. Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? And if you have, are you growing in Him? Are you getting closer to Him every day or are you getting farther away? Um, answering those questions, what are you doing to bring more people to Jesus? What are you doing to, as much as possible, drag more people on the boat? Father, um, for as complicated as many of these things seem, you know that Ultimately, we are your children, and as children, we need it laid out for us simply. So Father, please help us rest in the simplicity that is in you, uh, the way that you have made for us to be part of your family and in relationship with you. And we pray that you will, that we will be found faithful, Father, that we will be We will be found faithful in the ministries and the homes and the businesses and the governments that we have been placed in. Uh, And we pray that as we are faithful that people will see your light shining through us. Um, And we pray that others will be drawn to you according to the light that they see coming from the lives that we live through faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.